together. Um, but uh, Nadia, who was in the video, his wife, very early on in deputation, she was diagnosed with cancer, and the Lord took her to heaven two years ago, almost uh, to the day, two years ago. And we were up in Oklahoma City this, this week. Michael was getting uh, married uh, to a woman, and it was such a blessing to see how the Lord has, has brought him through. Um, and so they're excited to uh, continue to work towards Iceland. Uh, Michael has five kids. Pray for his wife, Rachel. Uh, there's two Rachels now, uh, which is more confusing, Rachel, two Rachel Shavers uh, going to Iceland, just to add to the confusion. Um, they have five kids. Uh, so Rachel is stepping into this marriage, um, first-time mother of five kids. The oldest is uh, Jaden is 10. The youngest is three. Um, so pray for her. Um, the, that's overwhelming to me, right? But the Lord will give the grace, um, and we, we're confident in that, and we're excited to see how, how he works. So um, we, we're just so grateful for how the Lord has worked. It's, uh, it was a blessing this weekend to see how the Lord brought Rachel into Michael's life and to the kid's life and um, has blessed him with that, and Michael has stayed faithful uh, with that. But we're here in Philippians chapter 1, and we're going to kind of work through this first chapter this morning uh, with the time we have, and it, it really is appropriate. It's appropriate for, for me, but it's appropriate for a church who is looking to continue to be a part of this work of worldwide missions. Those, those uh, pictures that you have on the back wall with the letters underneath them, that is your investment, financial and prayerful investment in reaching the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have a very clear command. There, you cannot read the Bible and say anything but we have a command to take God's word everywhere. Because it's right there. It's so clear. That's the work of, that's from Acts on, that's the work that is being dealt with. It's the work of growing the, the, the church and it's the work of reaching new people with the gospel. That was the work of the Old Testament. The children of Israel was a called out people for the purpose of showing God to the rest of the world. Right? Evangelism is at the very core of who God is. That's right. And, and for us to not take part of that is for us to spit in the face of who God is and what he would have us to do. And so that's your investment right there. And this chapter speaks, this book really is, is almost seen as a missionary prayer letter. Uh, it's Paul writing to the church at Philippi. And it is an encouraging book because, of, because we see the history of this church. Uh, so we're going to read, we're going to start reading in verse 1 and read the first 10 to 11 verses. Um, and then we're going to really kind of dig in and look at what Paul was writing here. Before we get into the Bible, let's go to the Lord in prayer. And let's ask for God's blessing on, on his word being proclaimed this morning. Let's pray. Father, we are your humble servants, and we are grateful for your love for us. We're grateful for this gathering here this morning. We're grateful for the, the blessing we've already received out of your word in Sunday school and the different classes we were in today. Uh, but we pray as your word is open this morning uh, that you would uh, speak to us, God. It's not a matter of you speaking or not speaking. It's a matter of us listening. Uh, and so I pray that we would be attentive to what you have for us. I pray that our minds would be zeroed in on your word, God, that our focus would be on your word, that our minds would not wonder, 
uh, wander, but that we would um, be present here uh, listening to what you have for us. And I pray that we would be faithful in your command for us to take the gospel to the nations. And I pray that we would see our personal responsibility and our church responsibility to be a part of this work. Help me as I preach, God, to be your vessel. I pray that you would use me in whatever way you can. God, help me to be willing. Help me not to confuse, but help me to just simply proclaim your word today. We are grateful for your love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's read these verses, Philippians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi, with the bishops and deacons. Grace be unto you in peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always, in every prayer of mine, for you all making requests with joy, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Even as it is meet for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, ye all are partakers of my grace. For God is my record, how greatly I long after you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ. And this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, that ye may approve things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. This church that Paul is writing to, this is the introduction. And it's very intimate to read this letter, this this introduction from Paul to the people here in Philippi. We see just in the spirit of Paul's writing how Thankful he is for them. We see the involvement from the church at Philippi in Paul's ministry. One of the only groups of people, one of the only uh, churches, local assemblies, to financially be a blessing to Paul. He he thanks them for that. Um, He speaks of how they are a part of, they are partakers of his grace. They are a part of his ministry. But if we go back to Acts chapter 16, we see the, uh, the beginnings of this church. And, and you're probably familiar with the story. Paul going to Philippi on his missionary journey, and he meets a lady by the name of Lydia down by the river. And that was the impetus behind this church. She was not uh, an elder in the church. She was not a, a pastor in the church or a bishop or even a deacon. Um, But him meeting her was the ground floor of what happens with this church. They would meet in her house uh, many times. Uh, We we know the story of him being imprisoned, Paul being imprisoned, and then meeting the the jailer, uh, and the jailer's whole family being converted. And then we we see uh, the, the believers starting to congregate. That is who Paul is writing here. These people were intimately involved in the ministry of Paul. That's the work. And Paul's work was evangelizing the nations. It was taking the gospel into Europe. And he did that. He he speaks of in Romans 
Paul speaks of how he had successfully completed the work that he was trying to do. And the church at Philippi was involved in that work. So there's a lot that we can take from this, from Paul's uh, exhortation to them, which he really doesn't get into in this introduction, but we see tendrils of it. We kind of see the beginning part of it. He's speaking uh, to them, thanking them for the work that they've done, but he's also encouraging them to continue, and not just to continue it, and because I think sometimes we misappropriate that word in the context of how Paul is speaking here. For, for them to continue was for them to move forward. For us to continue in the faith is for us to move forward. It's not to continue staying where we're at, continue being stationary. It's for us to grow. It's for us to draw closer to Christ. And he speaks of that in these verses. You know, if you look at this passage, I haven't looked at it specifically enough to tell you where. I think it might start in verse 3 for us to see the the beginning of a, a new sentence. And it looks like it continues down. Right? This is kind of one thought that continues down through the rest of the passage to verse ten. Um, and I, I could, I could, uh, there could be one in the middle. I'm not exactly sure. I wasn't looking at that. But there we go. Verse eight. There's a, there's another period. But Paul is well known for his long sentences. Right? He's continuing this thought. It's important for us to understand what Paul is speaking of in this passage, and he's speaking specifically of growing. Uh, In verse 6, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it, or will complete it, or will continue it until the day of Jesus Christ. The work that was begun will continue. So he says he's confident that he, who is Jesus, the work of the Spirit in one's life, which have begun a good work, will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. But it's sandwiched. That command, or that, that exci- not really a command as much as an encouragement, uh, it pulls excitement for the church at Philippi's growth, is sandwiched by his thankfulness for their work with him. Verse, verse 5, for your, uh, and this is talking, he's talking about his prayer, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. And then verse 7, even as it is meet for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, ye all are partakers of my grace. Right? He's speaking of this growth. He's speaking of the church growing. And, and this book is Paul speaking of continuing the race, right? He's, he's not caught up. I think in chapter 3, uh, I have it written down somewhere here. I won't spend all the time looking for it. But he speaks of forgetting those things which are behind. And not in a negative sense, the negative things which are behind. I think sometimes we can look at the things that have been accomplished in our life and say, well, we have accomplished all that we need to accomplish. And Paul's, his encouragement in chapter 1 would speak to that not being the case. Don't get so caught. Thank you for your work. 
Now continue. Now stay faithful. Now see how else the Lord can work through you. And he, he speaks in verse 10 and verse 9 of chapter 1. He speaks kind of specifically of areas that he sees for them to grow. Um, he talks about that your love may abound, yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, that you may approve things that are excellent. You know, this, this, this uh, verse 10 is, is a very common uh, exhortation throughout the epistles. All of the writers, not just Paul, but John and even Peter speak of this idea of discernment, understanding what is truth and what is not. Understanding what is doctrine that is taught to us by the apostles and doctrine that is not taught to us by the apostles. False doctrine. There is so much in this growth as a believer where we are encouraged to be able to discern. Do you know why that command is there? Because it's easy for us not to be able to discern. Right? He speaks to the, the Corinthians. And you know what he, he uh what he speaks very strongly of them about, of how they he has to give them the milk of the word rather than the meat. You should be able to handle the meat of the word, but you aren't able to. And so I have to give you the milk of the word. Right? For a new believer, that's okay. Right? That's where we start. We start. What, what, what are these passages? What is all the, I mean, there's so much in the Bible that we chew on and we meditate on and we study out. And as a new believer, we look at that and that's okay. That is the glory of a new believer growing in Christ. But how long should we be content to, to being fed with the milk of the word? How long should we be content with that? And Paul is encouraging the church of Philippi don't be content with where you're at. Continue. He which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. This work in missions is not a stationary work. It's not a finish line work where we're going to reach the finish line. It is a work that is continued. And we run the race until personally we reach the finish line, which is Jesus Christ, when we see him. That's it. But even as we pass off the scene, and this is kind of my passion for Isaac, I will, I have a finite time that I can minister to the Isaacers. And if I want the work in Isaac to continue beyond that, because it will need to continue beyond that if the Lord tarries his coming, it will need to continue beyond that. How will I start the race in Iceland that they can continue running? Because I do not foresee me getting to Iceland and saying, great, we ran the race and we completed it. Let's go home. No, it is a race that has continued. The work of reaching the lost in the far corners of the earth with the gospel is a race that will continue beyond each one of our lives into the next generation and in the next generation and into the next generation. And we might say, well, the Lord's going to come back. And maybe he is. I, I don't know if we can definitively say anything about that. 
But what we are commanded to do is not to discern when that day is and work up until that day. It's to continue doing the work that he's called us to do. And that's the command that he gives the church of Philippi. It's interesting to look at this this verse. We're going to move into the next passage here real fast because I want to look at that. But this command he gives them, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, that you may approve things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness. That's it. That's what we strive towards, the fruit of, as it's also called, the fruits of the Spirit, what it means to be filled with the Spirit. When we are saved, the Holy Spirit indwells us. But that does not mean that we are fully yielded to the Spirit in our life. And this is what Paul is talking about. He's talking about being yielded to the Spirit. Because the work of continued growth as a believer, all of us in here who are believers, being saved does not mean you're good to go. Now just do whatever you were doing. No, it's about drawing closer to Christ. Now salvation is an immediate event. It's an event in your life. When you are saved, you go from from unbelief to belief in Jesus as our Savior. But drawing closer to Christ is something that we will do throughout the rest of our life. We will draw closer to Christ. We will grow in knowledge of Christ. We will study out the scriptures. And that is what we are working towards. And we will not grow unless, right here he says in verse 11, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ. That's how growth is, is, is done. That's how we are to grow, is by Jesus Christ. Or through his power. Right? It's not through our effort. It's not through uh, a living to the tenets of the law. Right? It's not you come into church, pastor has a checklist, this is how you live your life, you do that and you are close to Christ. That's not how it works. Now, there are certain things that a Christian is to do. But we don't, we don't become a good Christian just because we check the boxes of what a Christian is supposed to do. We are become a good Christian through Jesus Christ, or by Jesus Christ. Or allowing him to work in our life. And this is where Paul is at. So we use these verse 11, first 11 verses as a launching pad into the, this next passage in verse 12. We won't, won't read the entire passage here. But I really want to look at what Paul is getting at here. Because he's encouraging them to grow. He's saying, don't be content. Forgetting those things which are behind. Forgetting those things which we've already accomplished. Let's press toward the mark. Let's look ahead at what, what we can continue to do, what the Lord has for us to be involved in, how we are going to be even more so a part of this work of evangelizing the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. What's ahead of us? What's ahead of me, personally? This is not just a corporate question. What's ahead of us, you all as the church, here? It's what's ahead of you, personally. How is the Lord going to use you individually to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ to the ends of the earth? Will it be hands-on, flying overseas, getting in among the people, learning their language, learning their culture, and sharing the gospel with them? Will it be a little more remote, 
sending others to go in your stead? What is it? So Paul here says, verse 12, but I would ye should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. Paul here is, is, he's about to launch into some specific things. And he's saying, the things that have happened in my life have fulfilled a purpose. They have spread the gospel. They have been, they have been done in my life for the furtherance of the gospel. And he goes into a little more uh, specifics here. So that my bonds in Christ are manifest or known in all the palace and in all other places. And many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. This, this passage right here, Paul acknowledges that despite his imprisonment, the gospel is being even more boldly proclaimed. Now we say amen to that. And we should. It's, it's encouraging. But that doesn't make sense. Right? Practically speaking, it doesn't make sense. Were you all familiar with missionary uh, this last year, October, I think, November, Stephen Trell, who was murdered in Iraq? An independent Baptist missionary. Uh, our, our church supported him. He was assassinated in front of his family in Iraq. He had been there for... Uh, six years. You know, that should scare people into silence. Paul's imprisonment should have scared people into silence. But Paul says, no, that's not what happened. He says, those who were maybe a little fearful to preach are even more boldly preaching the gospel Directly because of my imprisonment. That's the gospel. That's Paul being used by God for a specific purpose. From a micro level, from a, from a, uh, from a first person point of view, it doesn't make sense what happens to us all the time. Right? We see the events in our life and we're saying, what is this accomplishing? What is this doing? Paul could have said, what, why am I being imprisoned? I have so many places I want to go. I want to get out to Spain. And there are other places that I visit these churches again and encourage them and exhort them and, and correct their doctrine. There are so many better ways, better ways that I can use my time. But here I am imprisoned. And yet, Paul sees that it's his imprisonment that is causing the gospel to be even more bold And he was willing. He's encouraging the church at Philippi. What more is there for you to do for the gospel's sake? What more can be accomplished for the gospel's sake? What does God have for you for the furtherance of the gospel? He asks them that, that question. He posits that question. And then he says, look at what God is doing in my life for the furtherance of the gospel. These are not separate events. 
This is not, these are not separate passages to be taken individually. They are to be seen together. Paul is encouraging the church at Philippi to grow. He is encouraging the church at Philippi to continue in this work. And now he says, look at me as an example. Here is what God is doing in my life to further the gospel of Jesus Christ. He has imprisoned me for the gospel's sake. And now it's more boldly proclaimed. Let's continue verse 15. Some indeed preach Christ even of envy and strife and some also of goodwill. The one preach Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds, but the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. What then? Notwithstanding, every way, look at this here, whether in pretense or with ulterior motives or in truth, Christ is preached and I therein do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. Paul not only acknowledges that his imprisonment is allowing the gospel to be proclaimed more boldly, he here speaks honestly that the gospel being spread, even though it's being preached by those who speak ill of Paul, he, he speaks of that in a good way. You know, now this is a little more personal for us, because imprisonment, it's hard for us to process for the gospel's sake. It's hard for us to process that. But this here, people speaking ill of us, and this is not some murmuring behind closed doors. These are people who are preaching against Paul publicly for his shame. Look at Paul who got thrown in jail. Let's all have a good laugh at Paul's expense. Paul says, I rejoice because the gospel is being preached. So here's the question that I think Paul is is getting to. If we are to continue, if we are to move forward in this work of involving ourselves in missions, in taking the gospel to the nations, what is the line for us of too much participation? Right? Where is the line that where we would say that's too much for the gospel's sake? Individually. Right? This, we, we can't ask this question of someone else. This is an individual question we ask ourselves. Where is the line that we say we will not cross that line for the gospel's sake? I think that's a, there's a line for all of us. I think if we were honest, there's a line for all of us that says that's, and, and, and I think we would talk ourselves into it. We would make excuses for it, right? We're not, we're not saying, yeah, I just don't love the Lord, and so I'm not going to cross that line. That's not how we answer that question. We make excuses. We're very good. I'm very good at that. What is the line that we say, I'm not going to be mocked publicly by believers. I'm not going to be mocked. I'm out of here. That is too much. That is too much for the sake of the gospel. Imprisonment, that's too much for the sake of the gospel. Paul says imprisonment. Paul says being mocked publicly, but he's not, he's not done. I'm sure you knew that. But there's always three points. Right, so we have imprisonment, we have his being mocked publicly, but now, verse 19, 
Uh, verse 20. According to my earnest expectation of my hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness as always. So now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ. Look at this verse. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. That's flipped. Right? Because how we would say it, would it would be said as, dying is the sacrifice we would be willing to make. But that's not what Paul is saying here. Paul is saying it's the complete opposite. To live, it's for Christ. I'll do it. Because then he continues on. I would, for I'm in a straight betwixt two, verse 23, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. To die is gain. If I live, I will submit myself to God's will. That's what he's, that's what he's saying. It's not my will. Right? When Jesus said, not my will, but thine be done, that's hard for us to process. I'm not going to sit here and try to preach that. But Paul here is saying, my will is to be with Christ. But his will is that I'm here for your sake, for the sake of the gospel. And so I'm not going to ask the question, are you willing to live? Because I think most of us would say yes. But the, the question is, what's the line? Paul, Paul's mind was so focused on Jesus. It Jesus was so real to him. I've grown up in church. And, it, and if I'm not careful, sometimes it's like I have a, I turn the switch on and I turn the switch off. And there's this lack of reality that I store Jesus in. Right? It's hard sometimes to make him real in my life. It's hard sometimes to, to put heaven as a tangible reward. It's hard to see death as gain. And yet, for the gospel's sake, it is. Paul said, I think Paul is saying in this passage, what are you continuing towards? Continue. Grow. He which hath begun a good work and you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. What is that work going to look like down the road? Is it imprisonment? Is it being shamed, publicly speaking ill of you? You know what Jesus did, did at the cross when they falsely accused him? That was not just a crucifix example. That was an example of not speaking to our defense even. Are we willing? Are we willing to die? These are abstract sometimes. These, these thoughts, these games, these questions we ask ourselves, they're a little abstract, kind of hard to, to wrap our minds around. But what's not abstract is for us to imagine where the line of saying yes or no. God, I'll do that. I won't do that. Right? This is a sacrifice and a surrender question. This is being willing 
to do whatever it is that God would have us to do. Jim Elliott prayed, I seek not a long life, but a full one like you, Lord Jesus. 28 years old. That's how old he was when he died. And he was, I wouldn't say prophesying, but he saw it. He saw it coming for a decade. Jim Elliott saw it coming. Ralph P. Martin said, The sign of our professed love for the gospel is the measure of sacrifice we are prepared to make in order to help its progress. John Henry Jowett said, Ministry that costs nothing accomplishes nothing. It's going to cost something. It's not just a missionary who, who makes a sacrifice. It doesn't just start because I became a missionary. Okay, I got to start sacrificing. And it's not just financially we're talking about when we talk about sacrifice. It's just saying, God, here is everything I have. Here are my two talents. Here are my five talents. Here are my ten talents. I'm not holding one back. I'm not burying one in the dirt. Here are all of them. Do with them as you please. I am unprofitable. I am unable. I am not talented in that way. I don't have much. But what I have is yours to do with as you please. We haven't attained, we as a missionary, we haven't attained some some, uh, goal that we've worked towards in order to become a missionary. That's not what it means. What I have said is, God, I don't know how you're going to use me or why you want to use me, but here I am. We cannot be content with where we are at, forgetting those things which are behind we press toward the mark, toward the, call, the, the high calling of God. What can we do for Him? What will we offer to Him to be used for His honor and His glory? Let's pray. Father, we love You. We're grateful for Your love for us. We're grateful for Your desire to use us as unprofitable and yet willing service. God, help us to be willing. God, help us not to draw a line and say that's not, that's too much sacrifice. That's too far to go. That's too much to pay. God, Paul was willing to do anything that you required of him. I pray that that would be our desire today. God, I pray that you would use each person in here this morning. With heads bowed, eyes closed, let's stand together. Pastor, I'll have you come forward.